Thanks, uh, Gracie and, um, and Jake. And I think real unity would be, Jake, if all accountants in Launceston worked together under the one um, company. Wouldn't that be interesting? Um, how about I pray and uh, we'll get started. So Lord, uh, we do believe the words that we've just sung. Uh, we do believe that you do reign over all. You're above all. Uh, we do uh, believe that uh, you provide life for all those who seek you. Uh, we do believe that you are the living, breathing example of what it means to uh, live for others, uh, to be a sacrifice for others, and we choose to worship you uh, because you did that for us first. So Lord, uh, may you be the teacher this evening. Uh, we commit this time to you and ask that uh, you would find in our hearts uh, something that's pleasing to you as we continue to strive after you. So you be the teacher, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. Well, it's really good to be with you this afternoon or this evening. What an amazing day today. Like, if this is what autumn's going to be like for the, for, for the rest of May, this is really, really exciting. But uh, I haven't been to an undone service for, for quite a while, and it's really good to spend some time with you on this theme of unity. And um, when we're thinking about unity, it's easy to think about when you imagine, I'm with you, Gracie, like a winning team. When you think about unity, I think about a, a winning team. Um, winning a game, or your favorite band playing a great show, or it might be Captain America leading the Avengers against the supervillain um, Thanos. Now, if we had time and if we were in a classroom, which is what I'm used to, uh, we'd spend some time with each other. What do you think about when you think about unity? When the word is mentioned, what comes to your mind straight away? Um, very often, though, it's more helpful to talk about our experiences than it is, and stories rather than coming up with definitions. Sometimes a definition is not enough. Sometimes we need an experience or a story in which we can hook um, an idea like identity. Uh, maybe you can relate to the sports team that worked hard to get the win. This is Real Madrid. Uh, they won uh, the Spanish Championship League last year, and uh, they've done it more than 30 times in their history. Everyone works well together. Everyone's using their gifts, their skills. They're talking to each other. They're bringing about positive results. And winning's not necessarily everything. There, there will be times where a winning team doesn't win, but actually unity is, is shown in that team, is it not? Because they stay together. They learn from their maybe mistakes and they, they work um, well together and they move forward. So maybe you don't relate to sport, maybe you relate to um, a band that are completely in sync with each other. And this benefits not only the, the players that are sort of playing with each other, uh, but those that are listening as well are really enjoying a band that is just tight. Have you ever heard of a band called Snarky Puppy? Let's listen to a bit of Snarky Puppy, listen to this. Now our Facebook feed will probably block this service now because it'll pick up the copyright uh, issue there. But um, Snarky Puppy, what a crazy name for, a, for an instrumental band. There's probably like, uh, I think there's about 20 members in the band and in the recording that you heard, there's probably about 15 of them are playing together brass, keyboards, there's probably about 1,300 guitarists there, a couple of drummers and a couple of bass players. But when a band comes together, 
there's the, 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 the joy that comes from that experience is so rewarding. Maybe you don't like sport, maybe you don't like the idea of a band. What about the story of um, good versus evil? Um, to bring about unity, like the Avengers, uh, who have worked together, uh, sometimes at great cost and sacrifice, they need to work in order to bring order and justice uh, to the universe. So unity, as I've described it in those scenarios, is, brings joy, does it not? Fulfillment, it brings power. The impossible becomes possible. There's purpose. Uh, the, the, the idea of one voice is being heard. And if we think about unity as a group of people with mutual desire to move together in the same direction, then undone is no exception to unity. You guys are no exception to being united. And what about the areas of your life, like we've just heard from Jake and Gracie? What about things like um, your relationships? If you're a follower of Jesus, then unity doesn't stop when you leave this church service. Unity is something that permeates all the aspects of our lives. Your relationships, what about if you are married or if you are dating someone? How does unity look like in those spaces? What about your family? What about the place where you work? What about the place where you study? What about your friends? So if we're describing unity, then it could be helpful to describe disunity. And you may have been in those situations. What does it feel like when things aren't working well together? Frustration, maybe there's a bit of anger, maybe there's loneliness, maybe there's self-centeredness, there's lack of purpose and direction, there's hurt, there's conflict, there's pain, there's brokenness, and sometimes in disunity there's complete silence. Just cut those ties and not, not speak. But as much as I like team sport and as much as I like music and I like the Avengers, um, really, the greatest example of unity is, is with God himself. God is the one who demonstrates what unity looks like, and this is made evident through Jesus, and that's really the point that I want to drive home tonight. When you think about unity, Jesus is the answer. So right from the beginning of time, God reveals who he is in terms of his own community that loves within his own being, that lives within his own being. Let me read you from the Gospel of John, right at the very start, it begins with these words. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was fully God. The Word was with God in the beginning. All things were created by him, and apart from him, not even one thing was created that has been created. In him was life. And the life was the light of mankind. And the light shines on in the darkness, but the darkness has not mastered it. We call this the idea of God in community with himself. We're talking about the Trinity. If you want to think about it in terms of theology, it's the relationship that exists between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. If we're going to be talking about unity, in the church, this is the starting point. Unity begins with God himself because he is a united God. He is united with the Son. He is united with the Spirit. And throughout Scripture, you see them operating um, backwards and forwards, if you like. By the time Jesus dies on the cross and he's about to leave, he says to his disciples, I'm going to hand over a spirit that's going to come on you. 
And the, Spirit, the Spirit's role is to remind believers of where Jesus is. And Jesus, in turn, um, draws attention to the Father. And there's this amazing community um, that is at play. And so, if I were to summarize it, I would just simply say, unity is central to who God is. And in fact, it's so central that um, Jesus, when he prays just before he goes to the cross, he prays specifically for unity. Out of all the things that he could have prayed for, unity is the thing. And um, I'll get to Romans eventually because that's the the point of of this series, but um, Paul, who wrote Romans, the Apostle Paul, is only teaching what Jesus has already taught. Paul is not coming up with something new. And so I want to spend some time with Jesus, in particular in the Gospel of John. And um, you know how, well, you might not know, in the morning at Door of Hope, we did a series called Sermon on the Mount. And that is around uh, very important chapters early on in Matthew, chapter 5, 6, and 7. Well, John chapter 14, 15, 16, and 17 is a collection of what Jesus said, just his parting words. Here you find the language of vine and the branches. Abide with me and I will abide with you. What's going to happen when you are persecuted? And then in chapter 17, he begins with a three-way prayer. He prays for himself. And he says to Jesus, he says to the Father, glorify me right now so that I can glorify you. This is moments before the cross. And then the second part of that is that he prays for his disciples. And then the third element of the prayer is for his believers, for all believers, And this is what we read in John chapter 17 on the screen. You'll see it. This is Jesus speaking. I'm not praying only on their behalf, but also on behalf of those who believe in me through their testimony, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I am in you. I pray that they will be in us so that the world will believe that you sent me. The glory you gave to me, I have given to them, that they may be one just as we are one. I in them and you in me, that they may be completely one so that the world will know that you sent me and you have loved them just as you have loved me. Hear what Jesus is saying here. Unity is central so that the world will know Jesus. That's the point of unity. Unity is not just so that you can feel good and do the winning thing, or so you can have purpose in your life. Unity, in the context of our faith in Christ, is so that we can glorify God and so that the world around us can see that God does exist, that He is true, that He is loving, that He is gracious. And this is so rich with theology, because Jesus, um, he, he invites his believers to form what Paul later describes his body. And so we do this with communion as a way of reminding ourselves that we are um, taking on uh, the body of Christ and also the blood of Christ to be united. And in this, in this body scenario, there is, a, there is a compulsion, if you like, through the Spirit to go into the world and to let people know that Jesus is alive, that he is well, that he wants to be in relationship with people. And the only way a person that doesn't have faith is gonna know about Jesus is by seeing me. 
And not only by seeing me, but by seeing me in relationship with the person next to me and in relationship with the, my family and in relationship with my co-workers. That is what speaks. Um, that's the, the, the voice that gives um, this uh, unity purpose. It's to be um, evidence that God is so real. So you may think, I don't know what you think about unity. Maybe you think that this is just kind of like out of all the things that you have to do to be a Christian, unity is just one of those other items that you have to tick off. But to God, unity is so central that believers will be able to demonstrate to the world that he is true. And so Paul knows this. Paul knew the importance of unity. The majority of his letters, and he wrote a big chunk of what we call the the New Testament, the majority of his letters, um, he's writing to address situation in various churches. And very often, at the top of the list, unity was his main um, endeavor. Is it possible that through the conflict that you're experiencing, this is what he's writing, can you be united? Do as I do, do as Jesus did, because this is, this is very, very important. So to be a follower of Jesus meant being united with other believers, and tell you what, this was easier said than done. And so Paul is, is either traveling or writing letters, trying to encourage these pockets of churches to be able to get along with each other, why? Because Jesus came to proclaim a new kingdom. And whereas the Old Testament story is about God choosing the Israelites who became his treasured possession, that's the language that we read in the Old Testament, Jesus opens the door wider and he says it's not just about the Jews now, it's also about the Gentiles. And that means that when you're um, having a feast, you're going to face, you're going to Um, Have yourself surrounded by people that you might have thought were worthy of sitting at the table with you. This is what Paul is addressing. There is neither Greek nor Jew. There is neither slave nor free. And I could add to that. There is neither male nor female nor black or white. You name it. The invitation is to gather around the table and you eat with someone who sees things differently than yourself. In other words, Jesus came to proclaim a new kingdom ethnic community. And we're not, we're not alone in this. There are pockets of believers all around the world that see things differently than you do, that act differently than you do, that um, um, uh, even look differently than you do, have a different status. Yet, Jesus is the one that brings them together. And um, I don't know if you've had a chance to go to other churches in other countries, but tell you what, you walk into a space that will be very different to this, and there is something about that community of people that is so normal, that is so natural, and the spirit is there. It's evident that these are Jesus' followers, and you are there as well. And that's what unity is. And... um, Uh, A way that Paul talks about unity is by talking about the body, as in literally a body with with eyes and ears and legs and and so on. And in 1 Corinthians um, chapter 12, we read these verses, for just as the body is one and yet has many members, and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so too is Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized in one body. 
whether Jew or Greek or slave or free, we were all made to drink of the one spirit. What an amazing picture. Paul knew that to be a follower of Jesus meant being united with other believers, and this was the way to bring glory to God. But the early church sometimes struggled with the idea. You can imagine it. You can imagine like a a business operator, and all of a sudden Jesus has said, um, this slave that you've treated as the custom was at the time now can sit at the table and eat with you. That would have been mind-blowing. Was it really true that the slave and free person could eat together? Did a Jew really have to love a Greek person? Now, you can sort of imagine the internal dialogue, can't you? I'm not sure about this, Jesus. I'm not too sure about this because the culture has taught me that this is how I treat those people. And Jesus comes along and he says, not anymore. If you want to be my believer, you are going to have to include these people um, with, with yourself. Surely God, you can imagine the narrative, surely God doesn't expect me to reach out to someone who doesn't appreciate the things that are important to me. That can't be right. It's probably easier if I just get the people that think like me and we'll start a community over here and we'll draw a solid line and we won't let anybody in unless they believe what we believe and behave the way that we behave. But Jesus doesn't do that. Jesus goes about getting that community and he breaks down those barriers to say, love and grace is for everyone. And I'm choosing you as my believers to remind the world about that community. But Paul, and this is Romans part, and I want to finish with this, Romans um, 12. Um, um, Paul has an answer to this narrative, to these stories that we have in our heads about um, people that are different to ourselves. And in Romans 12, we read these verses from three to five. For by grace given to me, I say to every one of you, not to think more highly of yourself than you ought to think, but to think with sober judgment as God has distributed to each of you a measure of faith. For just as in one body we have many members and not all members serve the same function, so we who are many are one body in Christ. And individually, we are members who belong to one another. I belong to you, and you belong to me. What a strange concept in a broken world. In a world where the temperature on division, whether it's politically, racially, sexually, individualistically, that, that pressure is increasing. And we don't need more and more opinions. We don't need more conversations online to clarify my position and to disarm your position. What we need is relationship with people, with each other, in a way that demonstrates that God is real. And you need to think carefully about the way that you interact, for example, online. It's easier to write something sarcastic or Uh, negative, maybe even anonymously, than it is to, to reach out to that person by other means and communicating God's story, communicating a Jesus narrative. Unity, in other words, begins with you. You are the starting point for unity. Jesus in you is the starting point. And it's your heart that matters. 
It's the status of your heart. And what Paul is doing in this passage in Romans, he's saying, you need to have, and these two words, sober discernment. You need to be aware of the level of faith that you have. You need to be aware of the gifts that you have. How, um, how are you going to be able to contribute to that body that we call the church, that Jesus body? What are you going to do? What types of decisions will you be making tomorrow when it comes to unity? Are you prioritizing your needs and wants over that of others? And I would suggest that opting out is easy. If you don't like this idea of unity under, under um, Christ's body in this particular community, it's just easy these days. Just leave that community and go and find another community that reflects your values. I'm just not sure that's overly helpful. Because then what we have is little pockets of people that just go from community to community because they don't have the courage to be able to sometimes not say something when they feel like they, sh they ought to. Sometimes what Jesus wants of you is to stay committed. And for some of you, maybe your level of faith, maybe you're, is just a little bit damp at the moment, it's just a little bit low. Maybe you need to increase that faith, increase that level of hope. Unity is possible when Jesus is at the top. How are your gifts being used? Do you know what your gifts are? Have you put up your, your hand to contribute to unity in, in some way? You know, over the recent years, um, particularly the last 12 months, I don't, I don't work in a, in a paid scenario, in a paid environment. Um, we we uh, live by uh, other means. We, we call this living by faith. And that means that the, the people that I work with are in the, in the place that I work called Worldview Center, which is a training school for mission. And uh, we're all there because we know that God's called us to this place. It's not because of the money, for example, the wage or the income. And that means that in recent years, when we've had to come together to decide on certain things, we can't just say to someone, oh, we don't like that person, we'll just get rid of that person, we'll fire them, we'll offer them a redundancy and we'll say goodbye to that person. Instead, what we found ourselves doing is sitting around a table and actually saying, I don't agree with this. And then having to work around what it means and trying to discern what God is saying through that person in the same way that that person that doesn't agree with me or, or with another person has to process what God is saying through that person. And things are slow sometimes. It's not gonna be a quick decision. But tell you what, the rewards are amazing. This idea of working together and moving together with one another is so rewarding. And I would encourage you in your teams, in your ministry, in your youth groups, in your school, in your workplace, what will it take for you to demonstrate that Jesus is real? What are your choices? What are your actions? I don't, I don't have a particular note on this, but I do want to finish with perhaps a more of a sobering reminder. I just feel the need to verbalize the fact that unity isn't necessarily um, covering of injustice. And that's fairly prevalent in, in some circles, and we need to be really, really aware that um, we don't 
preach unity in order to cover up some sinister, unjust, abusive scenarios that might be happening behind the scenes. That's not true unity. And if you find yourself in some of those situations, then call out because that's not the unity that God is desiring. The unity that God desires looks very different to that. So let's be really mindful of the fact that some people do struggle in this space. But when it comes to door of hope, where we choose to be Jesus-centered and others focus, our choice is to always be open to the Spirit and to accept that maybe I'm wrong, maybe you're right. And uh, we seek to bring injustice to the light. Those sinful, sinister are things that are not part of the church need to be brought to justice and unity is not going to cover them up. Amen? Let me pray as I invite the team to come up. Uh, Lord, it's so good to be in your presence and uh, we're going to continue to worship you and uh, acknowledge your goodness to us. Thanks for your love. Thanks for your grace that's demonstrated through the cross. But Lord, um, our relationship with you is not just an individualistic one. Um, we have been called to be part of a kingdom that belongs to you. You are the king of that um, way of living. You are the Lord of that kingdom. And uh, Lord, you've called us to, um, at times, put our differences aside. At times, um, rub shoulders with people that see different things differently than us. And Lord, would those times be the times where others may see that we glorify you that others will see and know that you are alive, that you are worth having a relationship with. And so, Lord, my prayer is that you would tonight, that you would see our hearts, that you would um, stir in us that, that desire to strive for unity. Why? Because unity is so important to you. It's absolutely central to you, to who you are. And so, Lord, we want to be more like you. And if that means putting our hand up to to be involved in some way because we haven't, then let it be, Lord. If it means having that tough conversation with a, with a friend or with a family member, Lord, um, pa uh, pave the way, make that possible. And ultimately, Lord, we want to choose to worship you and glorify you. So may door of hope be known, may undone be known by a group of people that are united in purpose. Not disunited, but united under the common goal to serve and worship you. And may this be very evident to the community around us. And we can pray this because we do so in the name of Jesus. Amen.